0: Welcome everybody, welcome to Faith Community Bible Church in this blustery day. Um our pop-ups, evidently, uh, I was in membership class at the time, but are uh elsewhere because uh, they they decided to go take go walk about. And uh but uh um yeah, so and, and Pastor Josh's notes are were flown all over here, so the sermon should be fun. And the music's been blown all over too, and it's out of order, so the music should be fun. Uh, so praise God. Uh, for, for gathering today on a beautiful, a really, really beautiful day. And thank you, God, for the rain that fell on the earth yesterday because, man, we, we really needed it. What, what, a, what a blessing uh, that is. Some announcements uh, for, for today. So uh, uh, we are coming up on September. Uh, that's not the announcement, but what is the announcement is things are changing uh, in September. And so uh, we will still be meeting here for a live service at 9.30 in the morning on on Sundays throughout the month of September. However, at the same time, we will be simulcasting uh, these services from the field to the building at 9.30. And some more information about how that's gonna work is gonna be coming out. But basically there's two ways to do that. If you are going to go to the building, I just said, why right now? But if you are gonna go to the building, um, we are gonna ask you to, uh, to sign up for that. So we know because there's limited seating uh, that'll be available. So that, that will be happening uh, there. There will not be childcare at the building, uh, but there is childcare courtesy of the, the field and grass and little bugs moving around here in the field. So um, uh, there is today at 11 o'clock after services, uh, in, in the barn, a child protection plan meeting, and that's mandatory for anyone who works with children or youth or who plans to as well. Um, and, uh, that will be again at 11 o'clock uh, for four weeks, uh, September 6th, 13th, 20th, and 27th. Uh, we will be having our first Sunday school since March 15th. Um, yeah, praise God. And so, again, no child care at, at this point, but it's from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock at the building, at FCBC, and uh, it will be on uh, spiritual disciplines. Uh, and that is uh, not for just the super-Christians, which is good because we don't have any, uh, but it, it, it is for every uh, Christian. But, but that's uh, on uh, September 6th, basically all the Sundays in, in September. And Don George, one of our elders, will be leading that as well um if you need or or would like to have a reminder to be praying for sue gagne and and tom uh there are some wristbands back there on the table over there in two sizes of adult and smaller adult or youth and uh and, and those are free for the taking and we would love for you to take those thank you for the to the chamberlains for putting those uh together um Youth group starts on September 13th. That was not too loud. Okay. Youth group starts on September 13th. And it is, we've restructured this a bit. We are really excited about uh, about youth group. There will be a different theme every month. This month's or September's theme is why am I here? The meaning of life. And, uh, and, and the kickoff, though, uh, starts right at six o'clock. It is down to the minute. There's a lot to do. We are excited. If you are interested in that, uh, please uh, uh, check out the website. There is also on your bulletin uh, a place that you can sign up to, uh, to get text messages instead of emails. Uh, but the website already has uh, some of the information on what we are, are doing there as well. That is all of our announcements. Let's prepare. Uh, for for uh for worship as we do so um uh, even with all uh, i mean it seems like the the church has been growing every week in, in in the field here but we have been uh losing some people uh uh that that have been or not losing but maybe misplacing them no they're placed exactly where they're supposed to be we've had several people uh who have left uh for jobs uh who have who have moved uh, Gone off to school, uh, um, to, who, who are uh, often a different part of the of the state, uh, a different part of the nation, and even uh, different parts of the world, and and uh, in, in, in this time of COVID, uh, where we have. Uh, We've been trying to limit the lengths of uh, of our our services and other uh, things that we've had going on. Uh, We have not uh, um, done the traditional thing we would do when someone leaves or something like that, and to bring them up and to commission them and and pray for them. Uh, But we still want to be praying for them. And so we're going to do that this morning. But we also ask uh, you to pray for those who have been sent. Right? Um, and, and you're going to hear more about uh, being sent and what it means to be sent in, in the uh, um, sermon today. But before we, uh, before we pray, uh, I'd like to, to start with a reading of Scripture. We are faith community Bible church, after, after all. And uh, in your copy of Scripture, if you need one, there's one back there. We're going to be in Psalm 2, okay? the second chapter of, of Psalms. Hear this especially in this time when the nations are raging why do the nations rage and the people's plot, plot in vain the kings of the earth set themselves the rulers of the earth take ta- counsel together against the lord and against his anointed saying let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us he who sits in the heavens laughs the lord holds them in derision then he will speak to them in his wrath he will terrify them in his fury saying as for me i have set my king on zion my holy hill i will tell of the decree the lord said to me you are my son today i have begotten you ask of me and i will make the nation's your heritage and the ends of the earth, your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now, therefore, O Kings, be wise, be warned O rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice in trembling, kiss the son, lest he become angry and you perish on the way for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Let's pray. Lord, our our nation uh, and the nation's rage, uh, how apparent that is uh, over this this past month, Uh, but it has always been so. There is nothing new under the sun that the nation's rage uh, the, the kings, right, they, they set themselves, the rulers, they take counsel together against you and against your church, against those who you have set in place. Uh, we're not called to fear that. We're called to fear only you. Lord, as, uh, as imperfect as fallen uh, Christians as as some i know who, who, who do not know you lord we are so tempted to get into that rage as well to contribute the rage to take the side of one side of the earth or the other or one side of our nation or the other one side of our family or the other when we are called to be on your side to take refuge in you and in you alone lord forgive us for our pride uh, forgive us for our misplaced loyalties. Uh, forgive us for not living as citizens of your heavens and instead taking pride in, in, in our lives and our, our citizenship here on earth. Lord, we ask your forgiveness and we ask your mercy in changing us to, to make us more and more like your son to revel in the mission that you've called us to 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 wake up each morning asking what does my Lord have for me today where would you have me go what would you have me read what would you have me hear and see what would you have me say what would you have me do and what would you have me love thank you for calling us to that love, uh, to your gospel, to your mission. We pray this all in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, if you could all stand uh, with us, our musicians are going to come up and unscatter their notes and uh, and and lead us uh, in, in song. With, uh, first, Jesus, Son of God, which is in your bulletin. You
1: took my papers.
0: Take a little while.
2: Sorry for the inconvenience. <laughs> that you're our God to receive glory and honor and power. For you have created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb a blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Amen. You guys can be seated. We're going to take down this tent so that your anxiety or yourselves doesn't have to uh, endure the whole service.
1: Well, a p- couple weeks
2: ago, I saw Pastor Pat preaching from the Kindle, and I thought, oh, that's smart. Uh, <laughs> I don't have to have the sermon notes fly around, and so uh, I took a page from uh, from his book there, and uh, hopefully that will keep the sermon intact. But we're in Philippians chapter 3. We're in this book of Philippians. If you're our guest, welcome. My name is Pastor Josh. i uh, been here for, I guess I'm going on. Uh, 12, 13 years, gotten to be one of the pastors here. Uh, Jeff Owen was a mentor of mine for uh, the first nine years of that. And then Pastor Pat and I have been another dynamic duo to be used by the Lord and uh, grateful to be able to serve you and get to know you. If you're our guest and I haven't met you before, please say hello afterwards. Love to meet you. Uh, The book of Philippians. Again, we usually offer you the page numbers. not ADD, it's just the fact that I'll be distracted with that or thinking that there might be important and you'll come running. But we're in Philippians. Are we ready? So Philippians, we're in the section where Paul has transitioned from his own personal experience to one now in which he is exhorting the Philippians to stand firm. And in order to encourage them to stand firm, Paul has said in Philippians 3 verse 17, follow me. Right? That's the first way that you can stand firm is follow me and those of us who are following hard after Christ. Because Paul boils it down for us in just one sentence. Don't you just love it when a pastor can get it to one sentence? He says in Philippians 3.13, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. This is the one thing that I do. Forgetting what's behind, straining forward to what lies ahead. Follow me right, as I follow Christ. And he says in order to do that, though, you also have to, right, not only follow me, but you have to forsake those that are ungodly, right? You have to avoid those we looked at last week that are citizens of earth who are digging their graves with their own teeth because their God is their belly, their end is destruction, and they glory in their shame. So follow me, forsake the ways of the ungodly, and lastly, today, we look at really what it's all about, fixing your eyes on heaven. How do you stand firm? How do you not abandon your pursuit of Christ? Fix your eyes on what lies ahead, the glories of heaven. Now, as you hear all of that, and you're here at our faith family, and maybe this is your first time in church, you might need to be reminded that these Philippians, as Pastor Pat's already mentioned, are not super Christians. No, they are ordinary people. Paul is going to talk about, in the weeks to come, after this message, some very ordinary things. Listen to what's lying ahead. How to get along in the church, Philippians chapter 4, verses 2 through 3. How to get along. How to deal with anxiety and worry, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. How to learn to be content. These are very ordinary things that ordinary people have to go through. And so they are just ordinary folks, catch this, in a minority position under Roman rule, with no lobbying group to support them, and they are facing problems. So faith family, do some math here, connect the dots, read between the lines. They are experiencing difficulties pressures by being in a minority position as Christians in a Roman colony where crucifixion lined the streets and the possibility of being thrown into the Colosseum where lions could eat you for entertainment was a real possibility from the government. The governors and the Caesars of ancient Rome Opposed Christians. Why? Well, they believed that Rome's prosperity depended upon the worship of Rome's gods. Small g, gods. Rome's prosperity depends upon the worship of Rome's lowercase g, gods. And Christians, in a minority position, opposed the worship of Rome's gods. And therefore, Rome's gods are threatened by Christians. And so they oppose Christians. And when you this morning in 2020 feel like Philippians is written today because you are politically homeless, because you are an alien or an exile here on this earth, you can be tempted to move away from your pursuit of God. This one thing... And instead, you can pursue enjoyment and comfort and live as a citizen of earth. You see, our culture wants to pressure us to keep quiet about our minority position. The culture wants to pressure us that we would find our identity in what this world worships, right? Our culture wants us to be contaminated by and compromised by their small G gods. Our culture wants us to worship their small G gods because they are intimidated by our capital G God. But what is this world's gods? The God of material comfort, the God of progress, the God of my rights, the God of self-determination, the God of sex, safety, status, And even my skin color. And so Paul reminds Christians, ordinary Christians, much like we need to be reminded today, of who you are and where you are going in Christ so that you will stand firm. Here, Philippians chapter 3, verses 17 through chapter 4, verse 1. But what does it mean to be a citizen? That's our first question this morning, what? What is a citizen? What does it mean to be a citizen? And we, as we consider this and what it means, we are once again just looking at another way of saying what a Christian is. A Christian is a citizen of heaven. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 says, "He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Did you notice that there are only two citizenships? Only two destinations, only two kingdoms. the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of darkness. So, friends, the Bible reminds you this morning that the divide is not between left and right, Democrats and Republicans, liberals and conservatives. It's not between globalist and nationalist. It is not between those who are for the Second Amendment and those that want gun confiscation. It is not even between those that say black lives matter and those that say all lives matter. No, it is for Jesus or against Jesus. This is the biggest political divide of the day. Either you are for Jesus or you are against Him. To no one will Jesus be neutral. Therefore, this is not a bipartisan speech because it is based on the Bible. The Bible is very partisan. It is a sermon. and to be a citizen of heaven is to claim allegiance to King Jesus. Here's your first principle. Citizens of heaven have a different allegiance. Citizens of heaven have a different allegiance. Look at how Philippians 3.20 describes who our allegiance is towards. Philippians 3.20 says, From it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. This idea of Christians waiting has sometimes made us get stereotyped as people that are living for the by and by people that are so heavenly minded right they are know of earthly good but it is not just christians who await something who live for the future you don't have to turn on the tv but for 30 seconds to realize that if you are not awaiting the savior oh you are awaiting a savior but to be a citizen of heaven means that you are in touch with the person who is in charge of all of history Matthew twenty-eight eighteen says, And Jesus came and said to them, after his resurrection, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. The risen Christ is there. Christ has no and tolerates no rivals. All authority on heaven and earth is mine. Christ has no and tolerates no challengers. Pastor Pat read Psalms 2, verses 4 through 6. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Right? Was God threatened, church, by mighty Pharaoh? Remember the ten plagues that brought him to his knees. Was God threatened by the king of Babylon, one of the greatest empires, with King Nebuchadnezzar? Remember the king out on his palace balcony, ruminating on how great I art. Going to regurgitating his cud, crawling on all fours as a cow for seven years. Was God threatened by him? No. So I ask you, are you worried about this candidate or that? Are you angered by this party's nominee or that Supreme Court nominee? Rage, fear, resentment are the wrong posture for a Christian who believes in the risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, from whom we await. Right? It says, if you have rage, if you have fear, If you have resentment, it really says that you are a citizen of heaven, but you are living as if you were an alien. Are you a citizen of heaven? Living as if you were an alien? Friends, remind yourselves this morning that your citizenship is in heaven. And I lift up to you Daniel as an example. Think of Daniel emerging from the lion's den. Remember that. The lion's den. Emerging, thrown in there by the king. He's crawling out of the lion's den, and King Darius comes along. And what does Daniel say to King Darius? In Daniel 6, verse 21, Daniel says, O king, live forever. If anyone knows how the government can threaten your existence, it's Daniel. And what does he say? O king, live forever. How does he say that? How can he do that? Well, Daniel knows the one who is in heaven, who sits and who laughs and who holds the nations that rage in derision. I think of Martin Luther's hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, The Prince of Darkness Grim. We tremble not for him, his rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word will fell him, topple him. Why? Because King Jesus is the mighty Lord of the universe. Look at verse 21. He is the mighty Lord of the universe who is able even to subject all things to himself. Able to subject all things to himself. This language is remarkable because up until this point, that phrase has only been used of God the Father. And now because Christ has resurrected, that resurrection power that we just sung about, because he is there at the Father's right hand, now it is applied to Christ's own power that he is able to subject all things to himself, including the Lord and Savior of the day, Caesar, including the Republican Savior, Donald Trump, including the Democrat Savior, Joe Biden. He is able to subject all things all things to himself. He does not need preferable trends. We have now learned a word called unprecedented. We are living in unprecedented times. Everything is unprecedented. That was an adjective that we are now just familiar with, but it does not only apply to Christ in moments of crisis. Christ can do unprecedented things at any given point in time, including subjecting all things to himself. He is the unprecedented Lord, the awaited King and Savior. And so what happens when we consider who this King is? Well, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, I want to steal a phrase from Pastor Pat. There is no refuge from this King. There is only refuge in this King. If you're here and you're a non-believer, we are so glad you came. We welcome you. We expect you. We trust that friends invited you. But you have to understand what the Bible says about what does it mean to be a citizen of heaven. If you don't know Christ, what it means is that right now that you are out of touch with your boss. Now just think about what that just means for you in your everyday life, to be out of touch with your boss. We all have one. That would definitely cause worry and anxiety and to get your life all out of whack. Now, just exponentially continue to crank that up when you realize that you are out of touch with the only king and Potentate, the Lord Jesus Christ of the universe. It is not in your welfare to be out of touch with such king. And there is no refuge from him, but there is refuge in him. So what do you need to do? You need to acknowledge Christ as king, a king that men did not crown, and a king that man cannot destroy. And he will make you a citizen of his kingdom, a citizen of heaven, a kingdom that man did not build, and a kingdom that man cannot destroy. And when you claim allegiance to that king, you find refuge in him, and then now he gives you a new identity. A new identity that you, as citizens of heaven, joint heirs of Christ, Romans chapter 8. As citizens of heaven, that you are now a new creation. As citizens of heaven, that you now have fellow brothers and sisters with whom you once were alienated and estranged. That is who you are. And so when you become a Christian, you get a new identity, but it still means that now you have to negotiate how you interact with all your other old identities. That's where the rubber meets the road, as Pastor Jeff used to say. You still have your old identities, but now Christ is calling the shots, and He is refashioning how you look at all your old identities. Million-dollar question is how. Think about it. If you were a first-century Christian at this time, you might have this question: Now that I'm a citizen of heaven, how do I relate to my parents? If you're a Muslim convert to Christianity today, you probably have that same question, right? Now that I'm a citizen of heaven, how do I relate to my parents? But for those of us that are here in this century, your question might be, now that I'm a citizen of heaven, how do I actually make a political difference in this land that I love? Think about what question you might have. Now that I'm a Christian, how do I relate to... All those old identities that we still have. How is Christ going to refashion them? For the remainder of the sermon, I want to give you two ways and one application. Two ways and one application. Here's the first way that you get involved in that how. How does your citizen of heaven become your primary identity and allow that to refashion everything else that you are a part of? First, surrender to your union with Christ. I'm going to give you the command of what to do in the point. Surrender to your union with Christ and remember Christ's representative power. Surrender to your union with Christ and remember Christ's representative power. Notice in uh, verse 20, the present tense of this verb is, our citizenship is now in heaven, right? It's not, Paul doesn't say our citizenship one day will be in heaven. No, the position of a Christian today is that you are a citizen now. Colossians 3.1 says it a different way. It says this, since you have been raised with Christ... Now, he is not talking literally, right? It would be pointless to write people that are already up there, risen with Christ. So he's not talking literally, but he is talking accurately. Since you have been raised with Christ. What he's really saying there is think of yourself as there. Think of yourself as a citizen of heaven. You are a resurrected citizen taking away all the different metaphors Paul is really saying this Colossians 3.3 your life is hidden with Christ do you hear that union in there? your life believer is hidden with Christ that is representative power if you will surrender to your union you know what that means? the fact that you're united with Christ it means that you have an advocate it means You have a representative and having an advocate should give you life transforming power. Think of it this way. You know what it is to have someone have your back. You know what it is to have representative power. We do this with sports teams and political parties. Who's your team? Patriots. Patriots. Who's your team, Dennis Loman? Whoever's playing the Patriots. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Who's your political party? (laughs) Ah, here really now i don't know not so sure okay who's your political party who's your team you think about it in those terms and after a win what do the best athletes do what do the politicians do after a win they come to the platform and they say what they say i want to thank our fans i want to thank our constituents thank you for your vote i did this for this city i did this for the nation this is for us and they hold up a trophy, right? And if you have ever said, we won. If you have ever said, I was there when Barack Obama, Barack the of then you know something of representative power. Because you go to your friends and you say, we won, or you remind everybody, I was there. And his victory represents what? Your victory. So here's what it means. Jesus is saying to us Christians, I know because of your faith that you are the minority party at work. You're the minority party at school. You're the minority party in the marketplace. But you are represented. You might feel silenced. You might feel ignored. You might feel marginalized. But what is true is this. You have a story. You get to say us. You get to say we. You get to say our victory. We have been raised with Christ. Our victory. We get to say our citizenship is in heaven. We won. We won are represented by the king and when the king we have been awaiting returns who has governed the world from all of eternity you know what he's going to do he's going to pass by the emperor he's going to pass by the elites and he's going to go to that minority group called the church and he's going to say every attack on you church was an attack on my crown catch that Every attack on you, church, was an attack on my crown. Come with me. Let's go. Let's justice roll. Surrender to your union with Christ. Live with that kind of representative power, knowing that Christ's victory represents your victory. Say, yeah, I'm with him. Own that you are represented believe that you are escorted through history by God. Think about it. Being escorted through history by God does not mean you're not going to have any troubles. But what does it mean? When you are escorted through history by God, Romans 8.28 is not a cliche. Because when you are escorted through history by God, you know that that representative power is able to say that all things are working together for your good to be conformed to the image of Christ. It's when Joseph, being escorted through history, read Genesis this afternoon, like 30 through 50, take time and see how God escorted him through history with representative power, with that union with him, so at the very end, Joseph is able to say, you meant it for evil but God meant it for good. We want our citizenship. Second, surrender to your appearing with Christ. Surrender to your appearing with Christ. And remember this, not just his representative power, but his relational power. Surrender to your appearing with Christ. Look at Philippians 3.21. Philippians 3.21 says, he will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body all when he returns. Paul says the same thing in Colossians 3, 4. Colossians 3, 4 says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in the you know that Christ wants you along? Christ wants you along. He wants you with him. It is not just that Christ comes back. It is that he comes back and he gathers his people who are so inseparably intertwined with his love that he will transform your body of humiliation to be like his body of glorification. So, what does that mean? Paul's very honest. Your current lot might be one of suffering, it might be one of persecution, it might be one of marginalization. Great. Christ's road to resurrection glory also went through the humiliation of the cross. The theme of humiliation to exaltation is through this entire letter. Listen to Philippians 2, verse 8. In being found in human form, he, Jesus Christ, humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Humiliation. Humiliation. To exaltation. And what gets you from humiliation to exaltation? We looked at that last week. It's faith. A faith that fixes its gaze, not on your negative circumstances, not on the risks that you have to take, but it's faith that fixes its gaze on God's promises. Last week, we looked at Moses This week, I encourage you to look at Abraham in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, verses 9 through 10. This is talking about Abraham. and Think about how he fixes his faith on God's promises in the future. By faith, Abraham went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs according to the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundation and whose designer and builder is God. What's it saying there? A faith that perseveres, right? A faith that is saving you from destruction is one that is future-oriented. Because in the future, there is a promised work of God. He will change your body of humiliation. And He will give you a body like His glorious one, and so faith learns to sing the song that we've all sung in church a million times. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do if, with His love, He, be free. he, has, his to you. he has invited you into His story. He has intertwined your future with his future so that what he has earned, a glorious body through resurrection, now he freely gives to you. And know this, believer, everything that is true of Christ is true of you. Everything that is true of Christ is true of you. So even though the world wants you to feel that your minority position is embarrassing. Even the world wants you to feel that your minority position is on the wrong side of history. Christ is never embarrassed to stand by you and to stand with you. So don't be embarrassed to stand with him. You remember being a kid. Remember being a kid. Now all things being equal here. I know it's not everyone's background, but just kind of picture this with me. All things being equal. You remember being a kid and you had parents who weren't perfect, but they were healthy And they loved you. And being a little kid, let's say under the age of seven, you just loved being with your parents. Remember one time playing soccer with my son Hudson, some of the other kids? And I I did something. I kicked the ball or I did some kind of trick. I can't even remember exactly what I did. But Hudson looked at me and he said, Dad, only you and Jesus can do that. (laughs) It's like... Now, that'll make a grown man cry, right? I mean, that is, whoa, yeah, all right, let's go. Yeah, you want to see that again? Okay. But as I've gotten older, Hudson has realized that there's more to being a dad than doing a soccer trick. And you know how it goes. There comes a moment at a certain age when your kids begin to say, hey, Mom and Dad, um, can you drop me off here? (laughs) Just a little bit further away from the church door. Hey, Mom and Dad, do we have to sit together at church? Hey, Mom and Dad. Are you going to be a youth leader this year? (laughs) I mean, those kinds of questions, right? Because there's coming a time, I think it's seventh grade, right? Where all of a sudden your kids are embarrassed to be with you. But as parents, all you can remember, right? All you can remember of these kids that you still see, yeah, they're 13, yeah, they're 12. But you still look at them and you remember that day when they were on the stage with Bible Explorers, remember that? They're on the stage and they're up there and they're looking for you. And you're like... You know, oh yeah, I see you. I see in their wave, and at you, do all these little cute things. But then seventh grade happens, and you see your kid, and you're like, "That's my boy." Hey, Hudson. Hey, right here. And he's like, "Oh, you know, Dad, Dad, seriously." By way of analogy. When you are living in this world that is hostile to Christians and you're in a minority position at work, on TV, the marketplace of ideas, university schools, colleges, it can become really easy and tempting to not want to go public and say, I stand with Jesus. I'm not embarrassed by him. I'm with him. Right? And so Paul is writing this to say, remember relational power, that Christ's future is your future. He is so intertwined with you that he wants you to be with him and that he's even going to take this body of humiliation and make it like his so that you can be a part of this great escort through history, the permanent king with the permanent kingdom. Friends, let me remind you that here we have no lasting city. We have no lasting or political victory. So instead, set your mind on things above where Christ is seated. That's how you do it. That's how you live as a citizen while on this earth. I've given you those two ways. Let me see if I can summarize it in one sentence. Here's the whole sermon in one sentence. To live as a citizen of heaven... Measure now by the then. To live as a citizen of heaven, measure our now by the then. What difference does that make? All the difference in the world. I'm going to give you one. I told you two ways, and then one application. Measure our now by the then. Here's this one way. politically first in the church put your primary political hopes and invest politically in the church we all know that many christians put their hopes in a nation we often call right the nation the city on the hill but what i've learned from dr al moeller in the briefing is that this nation is an experiment but what i've learned from the bible is the church is a certainty Our nation is an experiment, but the church is a certainty. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. So here's his application for us. Before wanting to redeem the nation with your political engagement or your vote, we are to live as a redeemed community in the church with your life. The church is to be that model community to the world, It is here in the church where you learn to love your enemies. Seriously. It is in the church where you learn to love your enemies. Paul's going to address that in Philippians 2 through 3. Two ladies that can't disagree that Paul actually has to go public with their names in Scripture. Here's the point. We say this about our homes. You can't export what you haven't first imported. I can't export being a disciple maker in the church if I have not imported that into my own household, right? And we can't export out there to the nation what we haven't imported in here and how we've lived as a church. You get that? So Jonathan Lehman says this, don't tell me you're interested in politics if you are not pursuing justice or just politics within your church among old and young. I've adapted some questions from this chapter. He says this, you who preach the sanctity of life, do you practice loving children in the nursery, Bible explorers, Sunday school, foster care and adoption? You who want immigration reform, do you practice hospitality with people ethnically or nationally different from you in your own home? You who speak against abortion, Do you embrace the single parents in our church? You who talk about welfare reform, do you give to the Deacon Caring Board? Are you generous? You who proclaim that all lives matter, does your social media post show your love for those who disagree with you? I'll say that one again. You who proclaim that all lives matter, does your social media post show your love for those who disagree with you? Do you pray for them? You who preach the economy and job market, do you honor your boss with a sincere heart as you would obey the Lord? His point is this. We must learn to be before we go out there and do. We must commit to doing it in here before we can commend it out there. So let me put it to you in words that you're familiar with hearing all the time in our church. We can change the culture out there by having a culture of disciple-making in here. I have to just give it to you the way the Bible says it. The emphasis on the New Testament is about making disciples in the church, not necessarily about how to be politically engaged out there in the world. And so our best way of being engaged outside is to make sure that we actually know how to live together on the inside. Work it out together. The Apostle Paul could have talked a lot about Caesar. The Apostle Peter could have talked about him too. But they didn't. So recognize what a church is, what a church does, and what is the mission of a church. It's not a casual social club. It's not a little lecture hall for a little inspiration. What is a church? It is a counter culture of what humanity can be in every area of life under the lordship of christ think about how counterculture that is and how much it is needed out there and how many opportunities you have to practice it in here we're going to do one because we're going to take the lord's table and as we get ready to take the lord's table i'm going to remind you of what's needed to take the lord's table you know when you take the lord's table you have to recognize what unites a church and also what is an issue of Christian freedom. You're going to gather with brothers and sisters around the table realizing what unites the church but also recognizing what's allowed for Christian freedom. So let's just practice here as you think about it. We have people in our church on some very serious issues that disagree. I'm going to pick two. They're not because I want to jab at anybody. They're just neutral. We have people that have really strong views on education private school, public school, homeschool. And yet you come to the table together. As a church, we've had two or three building campaigns. And we have people with very different judgments, convictions, strong on debt. And yet you come to the table together because it is here in the local church that you learn to recognize what is a whole church issue and what is an area of personal Christian freedom. And as you practice that, you learn to give forbearance with each other and love each other amidst different judgments. You probably even know the person, the guy, the girl that has that hobby horse issue. And you still might have to hold your breath when you see them. But in forbearance, you love them and you get unified around the table, even their differences, and you don't try to eliminate them from our fellowship. You don't want me to open up chapter and verse on Sunday morning and make it a membership issue on how you school your children, do you? I don't think so. You should walk out of this church if I do. It's not a whole church issue. There's freedom. What are whole church issues? The gospel. God created the world. Man sinned against God, rebelled against the king. And God sent his son, the heir to the throne, to die in your place so that he could include you in his future kingdom by making you a joint heir with Christ. That's a whole church issue. So we learn to love through our differences, not by eliminating our differences. We learn that we can have unity without uniformity. We can have unity without uniformity on mass. We can even have a little bit of diversity. Right? Here's the challenge. A church that mirrors what the world talks about and how the world talks about it has stopped being the salt and light of the world a church that talks about what the world talks about and how the world talks about it has stopped being salt and light put your primary political hope and invest politically first in the church remember the nation is an experiment but the church is a certainty because we are citizens of heaven and we will eventually no longer be citizens of America, and we represent the eternal, immortal, only wise king. And I believe that will make a world of difference in how you engage politically. How do you make a difference politically? Represent the king. Represent the king. Remember who you are. Remember who you are. Political parties can make for useful instruments. That they are horrible identities. Your identity is in Christ. You can use an instrument, might be a judgment call. We can agree to disagree, but your primary identity is that you are a citizen of. As you prepare for the Lord's table, ask the men to come forward. I want you to know that this is our first time taking the Lord's table together since March. We have missed it, and we remind ourselves as what of what is of vital importance. We remind ourselves to measure our now by the then. And what is the then? We do this until he comes. That is the then. Uh, our friends here, uh, thank you for wearing masks. Yep. And all the communion trays are individually wrapped. So there's a, uh, a foil covering, and uh, the wafer and the juice is all on that fo- uh, foil covering. If you are here and you know Christ as your Savior, you can remember a time where you bowed the knee to King Jesus. We invite you to take that with us. If you're here and you're not a Christian, this is a great time to look and to consider what king would lay down his life to include you. And say, why haven't I? There is no refuge from this king, but there is refuge in this king. Uh, There really is no great way of doing this. It's going to be kind of haphazard. David's going to come up and play through uh, Jesus Paid It All. Thank you, David. And uh, just enjoy your time meditating on Christ uh, as we pass the elements. Thank you for your patience.